We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live edition of the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Somehow, still plenty of Nets talk, Nicholas. Yeah, it doesn't stop, and this is what we love, producing content. We probably dropped more pods in the last two weeks than we did last month, so a lot of stuff coming in with the Nets. Theo Pinson resigned, some quotes from Kenny and Sean, you know, a couple nuggets here and there. As always, quick reminder, you can check us out iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's jump right in, Nick. Theo Pinson signed for the two-year vet minimum. What are your thoughts on the signing, uh, the move from Sean Marks? The roster's done to fill out. I think we've got one more spot. Uh, what are your thoughts on Theo? I love it. I mean, we saw Theo last year. Great energy on the bench for the team. Developed nicely. He's a guy that we mentioned a couple times in the show. Came into the NBA slash G League with no three-point shot. Really developed in that area. Got some nice playing time last year with injuries. Getting him for the vet minimum for two years. Could have some nice value, you know, maybe not this season, but next year as he kind of develops that skill set, a guy that the Nets obviously really like. Yeah, I love Theo Pinson. I mean, he was he provided probably the main moments of the season for the Brooklyn Nets with the and one of the the games that we were actually at that we didn't see until we jumped on Twitter after where he was looking at the uh, the scoreboard and he saw that you know Anthony Davis had like twenty five points and twenty rebounds and like eight assists or something, and he just was like, whoa, what the heck? <laughs> um, so for that alone, and, and for the locker room presence that he brings, you know, Karis LeVert's been, been posting on his Insta stories about it. You know, you can't, the, the, the vet minimum is almost just like, you know, can he provide something of value off the basketball court? And Theo Pinson provides that in spades, let alone what he can bring on the basketball court because he knows the net system. So I think that the value he provides there, rather than bringing in a new guy who, who might not know the Brooklyn ways, might not know Coach Kenny's offensive and defensive systems, you know, if that three ball can, continues to drop, you know, he's going to be incredibly valued, incredibly valuable. And I think that, um, you know, for the vet minimum, like you mentioned, Nick, and for two years, uh, it's, it's a bargain sort of buy. And a lot of sort of teams, you look at what the, they're using with their vet minimums, you know, it's sort of similar. And, and I really value having Theo Pinson on the bench, you know, swimming on the, the basketball court, hopefully a couple more times, hopefully he can come some, with some new creative celebrations. Yeah, I think that fact, you know, the off the court stuff is so important. He's okay with his role. He's going to be with the NBA roster most of the year now because he is an NBA player. He's not on that two-way contract. So it's going to be interesting. And he gives you some nice versatility. He's a guy that you really can play probably at the one, the two, and possibly the three. You know, has solid size, can handle the ball, run the pick and roll a bit. And I'm excited to have him along too because of the fact, you know, they brought in all these new guys. There's questions about chemistry. He's a guy that seems like he could just boost a team's chemistry with that positive attitude and that support off the bench. And I think that's something you really need. And that's something players across the league, you've even heard mention. It looks like the Nets are having fun. He's a guy that has fun on the bench. All right, he has a heap of fun on the bench. And I think that if we can maintain that chemistry, it was, you know, one of the things that Kyle was mentioning in the season uh, about a random team, obviously, you speak about the Brooklyn Nets. And, <laughs> you know, if we can maintain that cohesion and that just general fun because, 
you know, it's a long season and, and we speak about, you know, how it can be a bit of a drag for players, you know, when you're spending so much time with them, you know, you want to be having fun. You want to, you know, not just be on the basketball court and, you know, just winning games and, and, and just chalking, chalking them up. You want to be having a good time uh, and you want to be having a good time with your teammates. But um, there's been plenty, of, there was a big article by uh, Chris Mannix, Nick, and you posted some nice screenshots uh, based off uh, what was said in that. Uh, do you want to give me a, a little bit of a rundown before we get to some uh, other quotes and comments? Yeah, I thought a couple things really stuck out. One was the, the the paragraph about culture and how Sean Marks wanted to really bring that over from San Antonio. When a new Nets player comes, you know, he takes care of the whole family, sends the wife flowers, gets the kids a care package, that type of thing, and really makes them feel welcome. And then I think there was another quote in there from a player that, you know, other teams in the league don't really do that. I think it was Jared Dudley, actually, and he said he signed with a new team and they sent him like a thank you card or his wife a, a card or something. So the Nets are really on top of that, making you feel welcomed. And I think that's a big part, you know, like we talked, they're a, they're player centric. And then also the other portion that really stuck out was about the performance team. You know, Sean Marks talked about Kevin Durant's injury and he had to ask the performance team to get the okay. And they seemed really confident with it and that they wanted the challenge to kind of get KD back to the top level possible. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes, makes complete sense that we would hear those sort of comments from Sean Marks. You know, he, he's a, a challenging character in, in the most positive of ways. Um, and I think we know the, the family and the culture sort of aspect uh, more than any other. It, it's spoken so highly of, you know, in NBA ways and, and on Twitter and, and, and the like. So, you know, that sort of family aspect is, is really preached. You know, we see families, you know, go on road trips and stuff. Um, there's the, the family area at, uh, at the Bookinets Training Facility and at Barclays Center. So it really is a sort of family environment. And because you are spending so much time with these players, like I sort of mentioned, and the coaches, you know, there are a, a surrogate family of sorts. So obviously they want to create that environment where it's, it's welcoming, it's comfortable for everyone. And, and, it's, and it's going to be uh, for the new guys as well. So obviously it's incredibly positive. And we saw the goodwill, you know, to a guy like Jared Dudley and Tamari Carroll, you know, the, the words that they said on the way out, uh, they spoke incredibly highly of the organization. And, you know, there hasn't been a bad way on the, on, on the way out from, from anyone uh, whatsoever. But, the Kevin Durant comments uh, are the ones that seem to be making the waves a little bit, Nick. Um, are you, how high are you on him getting back for next season? It seems to me that it hasn't been ruled out by Sean Marks, despite the fact that, you know, woe shed prior to him signing and everyone else seems to me has already ruled out the possibility of a return in 2019-20, be it in the regular season or the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Sean Marks spoke today to the media and mentioned that, you know, he's not ruling Kevin Durant out for the entire season. I saw a segment of an SB, uh, SB Nation article posted that, you know, Achilles injuries are now going from nine to 12 months, more so to six to nine months. So it looks like it could be a real possibility. I think it's going to be determined when he gets back. Does he have enough time to kind of get up to a playing level? You know, ideally, you'd want him to see him in the regular season before throwing him into the postseason. So I would just leave it as in a possibility. You know, it's positive to hear they didn't rule him out for the entire season, but it's not like there's really any expectation because Sean Marks later in the comment mentioned, you know, we're not going to put a timetable on it. So we know the the Nets never really put the timetables on yeah. it, that's for sure. Um, and especially with someone as valuable um, to the Brooklyn Nets as, as Kevin Durant and more valuable probably than any player in the league is, you know, Kevin Durant is probably the, the gap between you know, top four seed, top five seed and, and the second round in the East and championship contention. So, you know, you're not taking any risks with that whatsoever. But Nick, if there's a, I mean, I, I love throwing percentages at you. You love throwing them at me. Give me the percentage. Uh, how likely are we to see Brooklyn Nets, uh, Kevin Durant pull on that number seven next year? It's so crazy just to hear you say that. You know, how, how likely are you to see Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant? Uh, still getting used to that. Obviously, we saw the jersey drop. And nice to see them out there. People already ordering theirs. Um, give me 20%. Right. 20%? Yeah, I'll probably go even less. I'll go 15%. <laughs> I can't go. <laughs> one in five seems pretty high. Just by, you know, if you've got a one in five chance to win the lottery, you know, you, you're taking those odds and then running with them. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, Kevin Durant's, you know, body won't heal faster. Um, there, there could be, you know, positive surprises along the way. But we know the conservative nature of the Brooklyn Nets training staff and, and the front office staff and, and the higher ups there. So I think it's way more likely, you know, 
like we sort of said, 80 to 85% that we see Kevin Durant sort of hanging around the bench, sort of being a leader, locker room sort of presence. Um, and he's a basketball savant. You know, he is one of the greatest basketball minds uh, in the game and maybe that we've ever seen. He soaks up, he's obsessed with basketball more than any other. And that sort of obsessive nature uh, in a positive manner is going to bring a lot to to the Brooklyn Nets, even if he's not wearing and he's not, you know, shooting hoops and, and out there on the hardwood. I'm excited to see the impact he has on maybe some of the younger guys. You know, we talked about it before. Rodion's is really excited to see him. His relationship already with Karis Avert, Torian Prince, obviously, you know, him and Kyrie are already close. But I think some of the young guys will really benefit being around a guy like Kevin Durant. You mentioned his basketball mind. It's only going to have a positive impact in helping them develop further in terms of their basketball IQ. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, we know the relationship that Kevin Durant has with Karis Avert has worked out with him in the past. You know, when Torian Prince was signed, a lot was made of the, the relationship that they have together. So I think that there's positivity uh, to Kevin Durant, you know, maybe not playing. I think that, you know, he's going to increase that desire and want to be out there um, from everything that we've heard uh, about Kevin Durant. And, you know, you can listen to so many podcasts and interviews about him. You know, he's obsessed with this game. He's obsessed with playing. You know, he just wants to be out there. You know, the game is, is his outlet. It's his solitude. And uh, I think he's going to do everything in his power. And despite the fact that I said 15%, you know, I could be eating my words soon enough and he could be playing basketball in March or April uh, before the playoffs even begin. Because, you know, I, I think that if you're going to put it on any player to get back sooner rather than later, I think Kevin Rance that kind of guy. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great point, especially he's just he has the chip on his shoulder and a lot of people saying, you know, he's not going to be that great. And we know he loves that type of stuff. You know, he takes that to heart, which can be a negative in some perspectives. But in this situation, it's probably a positive working a little bit harder. And we mentioned the medical team being so great and accepting the challenge. And also one thing I forgot about is, you know, we talk about this in the show, but I don't think it was as much public knowledge. The Nets have great medical minds from across the world. You know, it's not just one person from the United States. They have people from Australia you know, everywhere around, they kind of give some input and are going to challenge Kevin Durant in different ways and try different things to help him get back faster. Yeah, I think that like you you made none of that there, Nick. You know, I think it was mentioned in the article. I haven't read it yet, but I've seen a couple of your screenshots. You know, it, it's men and women. You know, it's it's yep. it's it's an array of people of different backgrounds and cultures. And and I think that when it comes to to the medical science sort of department, that's where you want to have you know a, 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 a larger breadth of of people and knowledges. And I think that you know obviously they won't be taking any risk. And then like we sort of said, conservative, conservative, conservative. But, you know, I think having the, the wide array of, of different backgrounds and knowledges is going to have a, a positive effect on Kevin Durant. You know, he's going to learn about, you know, his body and, and, and what he can do with it going forward. And I think that having the base there, and you know, I think that a, a lot of other teams uh, are starting to get behind the sort of Brooklyn Nets mold and really investing into their, you know, binnacle science department, their, their coaching department, their analytics department, because, you know, there's no cap hold there. You know, you look at Steve Barber and what he's doing in, in the Clippers, you know, he's investing incredibly into the front office and everything outside of, you know, the player office because that's what is enticing the players. And that's what we saw from Kevin Durant and everyone else that has enticed them already. But um, should we get up to some of Kenny's comments? Because some of Kenny's comments uh, are relating to, to DeAndre and Jared Allen uh, are a little bit of a talking point too. Yeah, let's jump into it. So uh, via Brian Lewis and some other guys, Kenny Atkinson wouldn't commit to a, a starter in the Jared Allen-DeAndre Jordan center battle. But he said after speaking with Jordan, who hasn't come off the bench in a game since 2011, the vet told him he'll do whatever it is needed for the Nets to win. Thoughts? Uh, I love it from both perspectives, from DeAndre Jordan saying he'll do whatever it takes to win, then also Kenny not committing to a guy. And I think that opens up a training camp battle. And then we'll talk about one of other uh, Kenny's quotes on DeAndre. But it makes you think that Kenny sees DeAndre in a very high light. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think after that comment, I almost feel like there's a more possibility of DeAndre Jordan starting for the Nets. Uh, I see it more and more likely as the day goes by. Um, and we'll chat a little bit about Summer League and such in a little bit. But you know, the quote that you were sort of alluding to, Nick, you know, he said that he wants DeAndre to get back to his old level. I don't know what it looked like for him from a motivation standpoint. I do think with the talent that we brought in, I do think there will be a heightened sense of motivation on his part. Um, do you agree? Yeah, I think Kenny thinks that he can get more out of DeAndre. And we kind of talked about that the last you know, two places he played, Dallas and New York, not necessarily playoff teams or high expectations. Coming here, there's more expectations. You need to be a playoff team. You probably need to be at least a top five seed. You have your friends Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant, who you did a great thread on their relationship. You know, Check out Jack's Twitter. Um, but 
I think that helps you play better because when you're your friends, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to play bad. And then also the situation is going to motivate you. And it seems like Kenny really wants DeAndre to get back to that level and really believes in him. Yeah, he's the epitome of a player's coach, Kenny yep. Atkinson. You know, we see him out there in, in the training gear, you know, setting picks, you know, throwing balls around. Um, and I think that, you know, DeAndre is going to have a heightened sense of motivation in that sort of sense um, because, you know, he's now playing in a situation where he can play winning basketball. He's not on the New York Knicks anymore where he's going to be sort of more that mental role for Mitchell Robinson, who is playing some fantastic basketball, yeah. by the way. He's, he's an absolute stud as well. But, you know, how, you know, I th- I'm hoping that Coach Kenny in, in his communication with, with DeAndre and Jared as well, I'll be interested to hear what he says about Jared Allen following this summer league as well. We want to see the best out of these two, however it might be. And night tonight, that is definitely going to change. But um, Nick, did you want to chat? Do you want me to chat a little bit about the, the sort of friendship thread that I did? Yeah, yeah, do it. Because, I mean, I think a lot of people knew DeAndre and Kevin Durant were great friends. You know, you heard about them talking during free agency together. But you took the deep dive and you got us some more info. Yeah, so I I had the idea. Funnily enough, I was just I was walking my dog, and I was just like, "What sort <laughs> That's of like, some great ideas come along?" <laughs> when your brain stops and you give yourself time to just do nothing, you know, put a podcast on, put some music on, and then your brain just starts to switch on. I'm like, hmm, maybe I could do this. And I was thinking, I'm like, do I do DeAndre and KD? Do I do Kyrie and KD? And I'm like, you know what? Let's do DeAndre and KD because I think that that's the one that a lot of people have sort of spoken about. And I think that I, I've literally just jumped on YouTube and, and started reading articles, and you know, the the main thing that comes out that sort of solidified their friendship to the highest degree was their time uh, at USA uh, USA basketball in 2016 at the Olympics. They became basically biffles there. <laughs> Spending time, you know, celebrating the gold medal, taking selfies together, having drinks on and off the court. Their locker rooms were next to each other because they're both similar heights. So you have the similar sort of numbers there. And then following that, when it came to Kevin Durant signing, because, you know, that's what created such an uproar. And then, there were moments where, you know, DeAndre Jordan was asked by media and, and what he sort of thought about it. He's like, you know, he was disappointed. He was trolling KD a little yeah. bit about the fact that he didn't come to the Clippers. But ultimately, he was happy for him, which is what a genuine friend does. You know, a selfish person and a selfish friend wants what's best for him and can benefit him. But DeAndre, at the end of the day, is a selfless sort of guy. He wanted what was best for Kevin Durant. You know, uh, he said that, you know, uh, numerous times. He might be trolling Kevin Durant. And he makes Kevin Durant happy. You know, you'd see them when they're together, you know, when they're sort of bumping off each other in the media, you know, Kevin Durant smiling. And I think that we didn't see the fullest extent of that with Kevin Durant when he was in Golden State. And maybe even to an extent when he was in OKC, other than maybe, you know, him and obviously Russ weren't the best of friends, but, you know, they've, they've solidified their relationship now. But when he was with Kendrick Perkins and, you know, Nick Colson, these sort of guys, he was a lot closer with them. So the fact that he now has you know, one of his best friends, and I quote, a guy he would want to have in his wedding party. Um, I don't think it gets much closer than that. You know, they're celebrating together. Um, It's a a friendship that's rooted incredibly deeply. And and I think that, you know, you can't knock that when you're looking for life satisfaction, you know, in terms of your professional life. You know, it can certainly play a, a huge benefit when you're doing it with your best friends. I know that, you know, I wouldn't be doing that and having as much fun in the Brooklyn Buzz if I wasn't doing it with you. So uh, that friendship is deep. And, and, and you know, if you guys want to check it out, at the J-Man JBT. Um, and it's a, it's a really, it was a really fun deep dive to sort of see how deep it does go. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Jack. I think wherever you work, if you have friends at the workplace or, you know, you and I, like you talk about podcasting wise, different type of chemistry and you just feel better, you're happier, you have jokes and you mention it, you know, in Golden State, the only guy that you really saw made Katie smile was probably like Steph Curry, maybe Clay occasionally, but he doesn't really talk a ton. So I think that that just sets like a positive vibe for the entire Nets locker room from what we already have. Some of the relationships already there. Some of these guys starting to intertwine. You know, we talked about Kyrie and Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and that kind of trio. And then that kind of connects to Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And now it just seems like there's a lot of positivity. And I think it's really good to have KD have some positivity when he's dealing with such a tough rehab. You know, we talked about the, the possibility of a comeback sooner. Regardless, this is rehab is going to be incredibly difficult. Achilles injury is not fun to rehab from. So having guys around him that really make him happy will be a major plus. Yeah, it certainly will be. You know, there's going to be those down days when it comes to recovery, uh, becomes to rehabilitation where it's just like, you know, why can't my body do this? There's going to be those setbacks. And when you've got your two of your best friends there in Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, you know, probably propping you back up and, and sort of going, look, dude, you know, these are going to happen, but we're here for you. We're going to support you. 
You know, if he was in a different environment, if he was in New York uh, rehabilitating by himself, you know, with the likes of, you know, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, these guys, <laughs> sort of guys who he doesn't have a, an embedded relationship with, then it's going to be that little bit tougher. And we sort of spoke about, you know, motivation levels with DeAndre Jordan. You know, I think the friendship level and the fact that you get the best out of yourself when you're with the people, the best people around you. I know that, you know, at OTG Basketball, if, if we didn't have such a great environment of writers and we didn't have such a, a great relationship, we wouldn't want to put in the work. So when you're with people who you like and, and you just want to do better, not just for yourself, but for them, because, you know, they believe in you. And I think that that's going to have a, a really important uh, effect on the sort of that trio, that star trio. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan isn't a star, but, you know, we're sort of seeing all those positive sort of things happen. Uh, and, and I think it's only going to be a, a really good thing heading into the next season and with Kevin Durant's rehabilitation. Yeah, and I think there's trust, too, on the DeAndre Kevin Durant front where KD can go to DeAndre, hey, bro, I know you can play better than that or kind of get after him a little bit more, and he's not going to take it as offensive because it's one of his best friends. So I'm really excited to see what we can get at DeAndre Jordan from the players to the coaching staff. And just those comments from Kenny makes make me believe that Kenny thinks he can get him closer back to his old form than maybe we initially thought. Well, we've seen him do it uh, time and time again. Yeah. We saw him do it with Damari Carroll. We saw him do it with Jared Dudley, who is literally on the final legs of his career, but he was playing some of you know the best basketball um, that he's played for years. Um, he's, he's done it with vets time and time and time again. Um, he, Ed Davis, you know, obviously never really took a step back, but, you know, we know what he can do with centers. And I think that we have that step up with DeAndre Jordan. And, you know, we'll be going deep dive into these individual players with some season previews soon enough. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. But, you know, DeAndre Jordan has improved already in, in various facets of his game. You know, the fact that he's been able to turn himself from the worst free throw shooter in the league to a guy who shot, I believe, 70% last season, which is good, not just for a center, but good in general for just an NBA player. We see some guys, you know, Ben Simmons is shooting 50% from the line. You know, DeAndre Jordan has changed the trajectory of his game because we know centers get fouled a heap. You know, Jared Allen, you know, when we were talking about him throughout the year, I remember sort of saying when he got back to his free throw form, that's when we sort of saw Jared Allen back at his best. So to have two capable free throw shooters and when it comes to your centers, I think it's incredibly positive. Yeah, I do too. And I think anytime you can improve, which usually free throws is a mental aspect of the game, and he's able to improve there, it gives you a little bit more confidence. Yeah, and in that sort of aspect, you know, in comparison to sort of an Ed Davis, if I was Coach Kenny, if I was Kevin Durant, if I was Kyrie Irving, I'd go to DeAndre, look, I'm challenging you to win the rebound title. I'm yeah. challenging you to get the most offensive rebounds. I'm challenging you to have the best total rebound percentage because he has that. He has those capabilities. You know, he showed in like his per 36 numbers from last season are outstanding, you know, despite the fact that, you know, he has certainly lost a step defensively, but whether that has been due to motivation or due to age, you know, no one really knows other than, you know, DeAndre Jordan himself, but I don't expect him to, we, us to see, you know, the best of DeAndre Jordan, but we might see certainly flashes of it because he's in an environment that he loves. And I think that we are going to see, you know, he's got a great coach around him and he's got great people around him to sort of step back up. Yeah, they're all great points, Jack. And I think just the motivation will be there for him to be a little bit better. And the rebounding is a great thing because regardless, like he's still a huge individual, regardless of his athleticism, he still can have an impact with just his size alone. Yeah, absolutely. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll stick on the, the KD and Kyrie funds and, and Nick, the unveiling of their, their number choice. Um, obviously, Kyrie going with uh, my former favorite player, Brooke Lopez with the 11. We know it's his, his favorite number as well. Always seemed likely. But KD surprising us all with the number seven. Uh, what were your thoughts when uh, that news started to trickle out? You know, I think the Kyrie thing we almost kind of anticipated based off of some of the stuff we've already saw. It looked like it was probably likely he was going to do 11. You know, it would have been nice if the Nets retired 11. It is what it is. Not a big deal. Uh, on the KD front, I was definitely surprised. I expected 35. And when I saw a seven, I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. And then just like naturally, I was like, well, that's good for a lot of uh, jersey sales for the NBA because even KD fans are going to have to buy a new jersey now. So I thought it was pretty cool to switch it up, new chapter of his life. I, I think that, yeah, he sort of outlined the fact that, you know, what the number 35 was to him and what it meant to him personally, you know, growing up in high school to college, to OKC, to Golden State, and now this new sort of chapter uh, and going forward, you know, obviously – you look at other sort of superstars who have had more than one number. You look at Kobe Bryant. You look at LeBron James. Uh, it's certainly a surprise. Um, but, you know, 
it's it's a kind of cool thing and 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 i know a lot of people will read deep into the stuff and i i, I made a, a certainly a few jokes with uh, with my boy nick busing on jbt about the fact that you know the news came out on the seventh day of the seventh month yeah. of the seventh hour uh so that was kind of cool and that that kind of woke shit which was kind of funny <laughs> for me. someone um, said that this is the most all woke team in the nba with Kyrie, kd and wilson chandler and I mean, Nick, you gotta you gotta just put two and two together, mate. Three and five equals seven. That's what it really equals. Say what, Mike? What did you think about the Seven Eleven aspect? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Seven Eleven, mate. If you're not a fan of Slurpees and and big gulps and and cheap snacks, then you know <laughs> you're not a Brooklyn Nets fan. You're not a New York person uh, in general. I spent plenty of time, uh, you know, grabbing some snacks, grabbing a, a nice big gulp uh, from one of the the great fast food snack establishments are in the us of a yeah i mean if you go to long island there's like a 7-eleven on every block i mean the slurpees are amazing it'd be funny if they did like a brooklyn nets um inspired one like black and white slurpee i don't know what flavors that would be but it'd be interesting the white one would be like lemonade or coconut yeah. be like or coconut Ugh, i'd rather lemonade <laughs> and, and maybe the black one would be like you know licorice or something licorice yeah but lemonade. like oh yeah <laughs> uh, not great I'll, I'll i'll prefer the numbers to my boys and, and see what they're doing on the quarters of duo and some of the flatbush and atlantic merch that's been dropping has been quite nice too shout out to my guy um but this i haven't told you this nick but i've been seeing on twitter apparently uh, there's been people who have been obviously going to the swag shop. The swag shop is is making plenty of ways, obviously, with, with our guys now releasing their numbers. Uh, apparently, that someone at the swag shop said that there'll be a new city edition this November and there'll be no Kugi merch sold. You aren't even allowed to customize a Kugi jersey with Durant or number seven anymore. Um, what, obviously, this hasn't been confirmed, but it seems rather likely. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I would say it's tied to that lawsuit they have. Uh, you remember last year that they were sued by Kogi or whatever brand originally, you know, made those sweaters for Biggie. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they'll bring it back after that lawsuit is over. But for the time being, they have to go away with it. And then maybe they have something new. I saw Flatbush and Atlantic tweeted something out of like some Jersey concepts. I don't know if they were real or fake, but there was one that was like a subway inspired one that was like the red, white, yellow, green, and like maybe blue i'm not sure i don't live in the city but it was uh pretty nice and it had a little bit of color to it yeah i remember when we had the sort of subway sort of um prints on the court as well that was pretty and, and then they removed it as well i didn't understand that you know there's a lot of things that i think that the the nets uh, marketing team and, and and publicity team can really capitalize on now that we have some superstar talent and if they continue doing what they're doing you know with a lot of stuff they're doing on social media apparently the Instagram following has jumped up to 100,000, which obviously is going to happen when you get the two of the biggest names and most marketable stars in the game. You know, there's a lot of growth there. And, and I think that, you know, staying true to the ethos of Brooklyn with the, the, the sort of subway sort of stuff, I think that hopefully we see something along those lines. It's something really creative. But I'm incredibly happy that I've at least got some sort of something to represent the Kugi match. You know, I've got the the hoodie that I got for Christmas and, and I got the, the Angela Russell sort of uh, city edition tea jersey because um, I'd be pretty upset if I didn't end up copping some of that swag uh, before it actually becomes, you know, uh, almost memorabilia. Yeah, I mean, I got the Carousel Vert jersey in the hat and um, I, was, I wasn't planning on getting a KD uh, Kogi jersey. I was going to get the black and white, so it doesn't impact me a ton. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but we will move on and we'll, we'll get to... Um, We'll get to Karis uh, v. Kyrie and those one-on-ones. And, you know, obviously a lot of the guys uh, have been out at Summer League. Karis talking, talking a bit of smack. Yes. And then <laughs> what did you think about Karis saying, you know, he wants to take Kyrie one-on-one and, you know, he is the best player on this team. Uh, your boy's confident. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the mentality you have to have as an NBA player. You got to think that you're the best and you're going to win. You know, he said he's the best one-on-one player and he's going to be playing one-on-one with Kyrie every day. I mean, that type of stuff is going to help him expand his game because we know Kyrie's one of the craftiest players in the league. We saw Karis kind of expand to the area last year. It's going to be a great benefit for both of them, and I like the fact that he called him Kai. It's like they already are starting to develop some type of relationship. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And then I like that Spencer jumped in on Twitter. <laughs> the game has been outstanding, obviously. Um, he's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait for number three, guys. What about me? Um who you got in in out of those sort of our three star guards? You know, if they're both if they're playing like a, a 
let, let's let's do it separately. Let, let's do what they're they're playing one on one to eleven, and then we'll we'll talk about you know they're playing one on one horse. Oh man, I think honestly, like if we were just saying like speculation, uh, Karras is probably the best two way guy, but I think Kyrie is just so good, like scoring, like he just hits tough shots. We saw what he did to the USA team. I'm so happy someone tweeted out those highlights. Like he was nasty in the one on ones, but he also like took the entire squad like one v five with his handle. So. I think he's taking a one-on-one in terms of just straight up one-on-one. Then I think he's probably taking the horse tournament too. I think the horse tournament is where Kyrie would absolutely thrive. You know, he pulls out. Spencer would have a chance though with his deep threes. Yeah. And and maybe Karras, if he's doing some of his like really crafty, fancy footwork, stopping on a dime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we saw the, for those who haven't seen the video, check out the uninterrupted YouTube where Karras and and Spencer are talking about, you know, what would be your, your number one shot to sort of close a game. And Spencer's just like essentially the exact shot that you took uh, against Denver. And then Karras is like, yeah, you, you you take the the sidesteps three to the right. And he's just, I can't (laughs) believe everyone gives you that shot. And I'm just like, ah, stop giving out scouting right now. (laughs) uh, At the end of the day, you know, I think Spencer hit that shot like two or three times. At yeah. the end of the last, I remember it against Andre Drummond. But, you know, it, it's fun to see, obviously. It's all it's all fun and games right now. Um, and sticking on Summer League, Nick, you've done, you know, you've been posting a few videos. I've seen, you know, bits here and there. Uh, what are your Summer League thoughts so far? I guess we can go through some of the highlights and probably some of the players from, you know, Jean Moussa, Ridden's Kouris, Nicholas Claxton, Jared Allen. Uh, those are probably the guys that we can have a bit of a chat about. Yeah, I'll be honest. I really only watch the guys who I know are going to be on the team or I think have a shot at making the team, and that's no disrespect to the other guys. I'm just interested in what they're doing. You know, Rodion's has probably been the consistent best player for the Nets. You know, yesterday he didn't put up a ton of points, but they're not necessarily asking him to do a lot. I would probably like, if Rodion's is going to continue to play, I like to see them challenge him, put him in a couple pick-and-roll situations, let him run the offense, get him a couple more isos just so he can expand that part of his game. If not, I don't think he really has much more to prove. Also, shout out to him for being an A-plus teammate. Mo Wagner caught Theo Pinson with an elbow yesterday, and he was ready to go at him in summer league. So yeah. I think uh, you got to give Rodion's props. He's always got his teammates back, and I think that's something Kyrie and KD will love. Uh, Musa, to be honest, hasn't really impressed. I was expecting probably a little bit more going to summer league. There's still time and more games left. He did have the game-sealing block yesterday, which is a plus. But I'd like to see a little bit more creativity, a little bit more driving. At times, he's been a little bit ball hoggy. And his three-point shot has been a little inconsistent, but still he probably hasn't played basketball in a bit. So getting back in rhythm could be a thing. Uh, Jared Allen, first game, very good. Second game, somewhat of a – no, it was a disappointment. Just wasn't aggressive enough, wasn't engaged enough. It was against a Croatian team, a little bit more physical, a little bit more grown men in there. So he probably didn't enjoy battling against them. I don't know if the Nets are going to play him moving forward. They didn't play him in the last game. I wouldn't mind if they did. Initially we talked about, like, oh, we wouldn't want to see Jared Allen there. But now I think he has something to prove. I think he needs to have a really big game in the next one, and then they can rest him the rest of the time because the last performance was not great. And then also uh, rookie Nick Claxton, you know, the first two games, nothing too crazy. But yesterday we really got to see a lot of his skill set. You know, great with the ball in his hands, very comfortable, willing to attack the paint, hit him a a nice little uh, dribble handoff fake yesterday as well. They got to the rim, finished through contact, finished with both hands. And I think his length really sticks out. He knows how to use it offensively. And defensively, he did a good job at certain times not fouling as well. Yeah, I remember, I think, in the first Nets game where I just a, a, probably like a week or so earlier, I'd done a Nicholas Claxton uh, video breakdown where, you know, there was guys trying to shoot their jumpers over him. And he just mm. goes, nope. And he did the exact same thing to, to, the, to his um, opposing defender. And I'm just like, man, this guy's going to be pretty special. You know, I, I spoke to you in the fact that I almost think that he has a more complete skill set than Jared Allen right now, at least in his rookie season, because uh, especially offensively, you know, I think defensively you can certainly make the argument that Claxton has a way to go. But I think Claxton has some versatility on that end as well. So obviously, you know, he did so much at Georgia being sort of the fulcrum um, of their offense and defense. So much was asked of him. Tremendous athleticism, you know, not just vertically, but laterally as well. Uh, and he has shown that. And he's shown that just he has this basketball awareness about him, you know, this IQ and such sort of general basketball feel. You know, you see guys who are just sort of like, you know, wingspans and athleticism and all this sort of stuff. But Nicholas Claxton has a good basketball feel uh, and not just for a big man. Uh, you know, we've heard lots of talk about him sort of, why can't he play the four? You know, I, I think he's showing plenty right now uh, that he can earn some minutes heading into the rotation next season. 
Yeah, I think it's a possibility for him to play the ball, especially the way he handled. I think the one thing you probably want to see more of, and we haven't seen a ton in uh, summer league, more three-point shots. You know, how does he develop in that area? Because we know how much the Nets value spacing. But like you mentioned, Jack, the experience he got at Georgia, having so much responsibility and having the ball in his hand so much is going to make him feel so much more comfortable going to his rookie season. And I do think his offensive skill set is a higher ceiling than what Jared Allen has. I don't know if Jared Allen's going to ever be able to handle the ball. We already see Nick Claxton handling it. But defensively, I think Jared Allen probably still has an edge because he just has a little bit more verticality and length. And it looks like just a better shot blocker. But I will say Claxton seems more aggressive on the boards. He wasn't great in college, but there was a couple times where he went for an offensive rebound. And I don't know what something would have seen Jared Allen do. Yeah, I think that his mentality yeah. um, and, and aggressiveness is something that you know he has that Jared Allen doesn't necessarily have. But you know, Nicholas Claxton also signed um, that deal as well, Nick. Um, did we see the number of that contract? Uh, I could pull it up. I believe it's a three-year deal. I'm not sure on the exact um, the number, but let me check something real quick. I remember, obviously, the fact that he is a second rounder uh, uh, in a similar sort of sense to Rodion's Kurutz. You know, he uh, doesn't have to be, he didn't have to be signed. So obviously, he's proven something already. It seemed fait accompli, but the fact that he has signed the contract, I think he adds some depth and some insurance to the, to the backup big rotation. Um, he adds versatility, like we've sort of spoken about. And, you know, he's an NBA player. You know, he just looks like it. He feels like it. I'm a big fan of his hair as well, just aesthetically. He's a good-looking dude, very smooth-looking uh, smooth looking man. Um, and he deserved to sign that contract. You know, he is an NBA player. And I'm excited to see him pull on the black and white. Yeah, it's going to be a nice number. Um, it's only 898000 this year, 1.5 next year, 1.7 in the third year. And, and uh, they, like you mentioned, they had to use cap space to sign that. And it's essentially, I believe, right about the same number that uh, low first-round picks get. So the Nets treated him well. Yeah, and I think he deserves that. And obviously, when it comes to the structure of that deal, um, we know how clever Sean Marks and his team can be with that in terms of you know managing the, the salary cap space of each season. Um, so you know he certainly does deserve that. Um, but we will move on, Nick. And, you know, we were going to save this for the next episode, but we've been asked about it in the chat. Uh, that first round pick that we got from Golden State, obviously it is 1 to 20 protected, I believe. Yes. Yeah. One through 20 protected. Uh, very highly protected. Usually you don't see picks protected like that. And I think it makes a, a fair bit of sense, obviously, Golden State giving themselves, you know, any sort of insurance after they saw uh, what happened last season. When does it turn into two second rounders? Is it 2023, 25? I believe it's the following year. I'm not 100% sure. I think it just, it's, it can either be a first round pick next year. And then after that, it's most likely not going to be a first round pick. And then, I mean, you can probably see one to 20. Man, I, I, but might convert into the two second round is because, you know, unless Golden State stay fully healthy, Stephen Curry has, you know, a, a near MVP season, we might not even get that pick next season. Uh, how confident are you on that? Uh, and Crimson Striker has just said it is 2025. So um, I will look that up just to confirm as well. But what are your thoughts on on the fact that the, of the protections uh, now that the news has started to come out, obviously, around the pick and such? Yeah, I think the Nets really didn't necessarily mind, especially because in the D'Angelo Russell sign and trade, they also threw in Trevion Graham and Shabazz. And like uh, the cap situation in which they handled it, you can go to netsdaily.com and they have a lot of more detail on it. But they essentially acted as a team that was over the cap when they did the sign and trade, which allowed them to do some of the other things they did in terms of like signing Nick Claxton or signing DeAndre Jordan, because I believe that only uh, Kyrie Irving had to give up like a million dollars for them to sign DeAndre Jordan, where originally it was going to be 10 million split between Kyrie and KD. That was no longer the case after they kind of manipulated the cap a little bit. So I think the Nets don't really care. There's a small chance the Nets could still get that first round pick next year, but it would probably be because of D'Angelo Russell playing really, really well for Golden State. Yeah, probably Clay coming back at, at, uh, earlier rather than later. Yeah. Uh, I think him actually playing in the regular season, you know, is to push their playoff chances and, and likelihood. But, you know, the West is so stacked right now and Stephen Curry is so good. And, you know, we could see, you know, a, a real positive sort of relationship on and off the court with D'Lo and Stephen Curry. He's also spoken incredibly highly of him uh, already. But, yeah, it's um, it turns into 
uh, second round in 2025. So, yeah, that's confirmed by Michael Scotto and our boy Crimson Striker. And he sort of made note of it as well in the chat, Nick, the fact that, you know, there was $69 million of space and then somehow it turned into $80 million. So It's like Sean Marks. Um, I've called him a wizard before, I believe, but um, he's, he's working his magic again. Yeah, whoever the cap guy is or cap girl is for the Nets did an outstanding job. You know, usually there's somebody in the front office that that's their specific job. So shout out to them for working the cap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get on to our current owner, uh, Mikhail Prokhorov. Uh, and he was uh, certainly happy about the landing of, of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Obviously, there's been some statements and some quotes uh, from the Russian uh, billionaire. <laughs> um, should um, I go through some of the quotes now? Yeah, drop them in because I actually haven't even seen them yet. I saw one, I believe. So there's obviously the statement that's been making uh, the waves and I think the Brooklyn Nets release. As part of the new culture Sean and Kenny have been building, we're looking at every step as the next one in a long journey. We're not shouting, we're climbing. So on the occasion of the signing of Kevin, Kyrie, DeAndre, Garrett and Wilson, we're not going to shout out loud from the rooftops just give a nice little woo with our inside voice. Funnily <laughs> <laughs> um, enough, for those that don't listen to JBT, the Brooklyn Bits has a woo in the music that Nick Music has created. So I'm wondering if Mikhail Prokhorov is a JBT listener and loves the Brooklyn Bits song because uh, it wouldn't it would not surprise me. But uh, it's international said, international flavor. You see the connection there. Russia and Australia, the strong relationship. There. <laughs> a happy day for the Brooklyn Nets, hoping for many to come. New alternate governor Joe Side joins me in welcoming the new Nets to the team. Yeah, uh, that was funny. I mean, I don't, I could see Mikel like saying that. So I just like come when I read it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is something he's going to do. And I feel like he thinks that he looked bad last time coming out and saying all these crazy things. So he had to like calm down a bit. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's certainly he's learned from the, the mistakes that obviously he was a huge part of that we made. Uh, around Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce in the Billy King days. But he had a few couple more things to say, Nick. Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson have built tremendous infrastructure, whether it's within the coaching staff, medical team, physical training, you name it. And the culture has changed significantly. We're now more about our one, our own step-by-step achievements than what others are doing that could distract us. Um, what did you think about that one as well? That seems like a shot at the Knicks, like saying that we don't really care what's going on with the Knicks. We're going to worry about ourselves and win championships. And I think that's the mentality that Sean Marks had. And even when the Nets first came to Brooklyn, you know, the blueprint for greatness was a big thing they put up in the city, kind of signaling they want to be better than the Knicks. But really now it's just about winning championships and taking that step as a unit. We're not worried about the outside noise. Yeah, and I think that, you know, uh, it's it's positive to sort of hear that because, you know, obviously it, it'll, it could be firing soon enough if we see, you know, RJ Barrett pop off and Dennis Smith Jr. You know, I think that it's... Best in general for, for the basketball and, and basketball fans when we see the best out of, uh, of individual talents, not just in New York, but in LA and everywhere else. But, you know, he, he had plenty to say. I think he was speaking to Brian Lewis and some um, international reporters as well. Uh, we've been implying maximum efforts over the past three seasons, forming step-by-step a team with a special culture where teamwork, teamwork and the support of each other are indispensable. As the saying goes, one man does not make a team. I think that's pretty much what they've been doing, not only on the court, but in the entire organization, building up as a unit. You know, we mentioned the medical team, performance team, people across the board. I think that goes for all aspects of the front office, just kind of making a team mentality. We talked about the culture. It's a family-like culture. You know, people are close from top to bottom. Yeah. And I think one reason that he is obviously probably incredibly happy with what has happened because his investment just skyrockets. Skyrocket. It's crazy how much money he's going to make. Like, I mean, obviously the reports are that Joseph Sai is going to take over within very soon, the next couple of years. So he's just going to bank out with a lot more cash than he put in. I want to. I want. I need to know the numbers for how much he the he bought the Nets for. I want to yeah. say it was like five hundred million. Yeah, it's certainly less than a billion. Um, and obviously that there was lots of other minority stakes in there. Right now, Nick, let's just let's just throw caution into the wind. What do we think that the Brooklyn Nets are worth as an organization? Uh, I just actually looked it up. So it looks oh. like uh, actually, never mind. He paid three hundred and sixty-five million. I believe the Nets are worth over two billion. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And obviously, I think that that number probably increases when you add the two most true, two three most marketable superstars. I would say. 
It's literally, it's LeBron James and then it's Katie and Kyrie. I think those are the three most marketable players in their game. Um, and that sells tickets. And we've seen that, you know, already on Nets Daily with, you know, the, the already season ticket sales skyrocketing. You know, the amount of traffic on, on the website, Brooklyn Nets website, and everything else has been, you know, absolutely insane. So uh, I think his investment is going to increase tenfold. And, and Joe Sy is probably pretty happy that he got involved too. I would probably say, you know, it'd be... Closer to that two and a half billion dollar yeah, range. Yeah, two four point two point four. Yeah, and and I think that it's only going to increase, especially if the Nets, you know, continue to have a success on the court, um, and obviously Kevin Durant and Kyrie continue to do their thing as, as as some of the most marketable guys that you know we've seen in the in the league for for plenty of years. Um, and, and I think that at the same time, you, you take into account Barclays Center as a whole. Um, incredibly marketable stadium, obviously in, in a great location. Uh, they have like you know some massive concerts, uh, UFC fights, and, and everything else. So it'll be interesting to see whether the the valuation, obviously, because if you take the valuation of the Knicks, the Knicks obviously just being a New York Knicks brand is a four five billion dollar asset. But you add four into billion the, right now, four billion. And it, the Nets are the sixth highest. And I think that obviously location plays a huge part in that. But if you add in to the fact that MSG as just the, the stadium and the MSG network, there's so much surrounding that with, you know, all the concerts that happen in MSG and, and everything else. Um, I think that both teams are certainly, uh, it certainly benefits the Brooklyn Nets more than it does uh, for the New York Knicks because the Knicks have, you know, the, the cachet of being in New York, the cachet of being at MSG. Whereas the Nets are only going to grow and are going to continue to grow if they continue to market well and if they continue to actually grow because we were one of the, the worst uh, attended teams uh, in the league last season. I certainly expect that number to change. Yeah, and like you mentioned already with the merch and the ticket sales going up, the attendance is going to go up. It's going to, they'll be selling out almost every night in Barclays for the next couple of years for sure. And like you mentioned, I think it brings a lot more value to the Nets than it would the Knicks because I think in two years, you easily probably see the Nets valued at over $3 billion. You know, the Knicks will probably continue to go up as well because they're just such a big, big brand. But uh, it'd be interesting to see where the Nets end up in terms of value in the next two to three years in terms of the NBA. Yeah, I think that, you know, basketball franchises in general, you know, people, uh, and we've seen already with the, the recent selling of Houston and Tillman Fertitta getting in on board there and how, you know, enthusiasm was to get on board with that. Um, it's it, the, the commodities uh, that I think a lot of insanely rich guys would be stupid not to get involved with because it's the, it's the dream. It's the, the childhood dream of any sort of guy. And, you know, Bill Simmons talks about it just like rich guys, like a competitive sort of, people in the fact that you know i'm spending this money you know i've got this i've got that you know i've got this guy on my team that's how like the rich guys i mean if, if only one day we could be like that but you know i think that uh, basketball organizations and franchises in general you know i think that most people that are owners right now will be clinging and holding on to everything uh, for their dear life you know who knows what could happen in memphis the plenty of people calling for, for it's Charlotte funny you, you, you say memphis and they're last in the league at 1.2 billion not but that's still even really good. Like $1 billion. It's just, oh man, $1 billion is nothing. And it was probably the Memphis you know, franchise, you know, in its heyday, you know, from in those sort of 2010s, um, the early 2010s when, you know, Grit and Grind was killing it. I'm sure that number would have been a little bit higher. But uh, we'll finish, Nick, with uh, our boy D'Lo. He had a few words to say at Summer League to, to some of the media. Um, do you have any sort of takeaways from that? Uh, you know, like we kind of talked about before we got on, you know, you kind of feel bad for him because it seemed like he really wanted to be in Brooklyn and he really appreciated Brooklyn in terms of development. He talked about uh, how it helped prepare him for the next chapter of his life being in Brooklyn, gave him that structure he really needed. And he seemed like uh, one of the quotes was like, you know, you put your all in and expect to be in somewhere for a long time. And the next thing you know, it changes. So you could tell he was a little bit sad about it. Yeah. And I think that it's, it is a little bit sad. And I think a, a He's endeared himself to Brooklyn Nets fans in, in so many different ways. And, you know, obviously it's it's a sad situation for him. But, you know, I think he said as well, he understands the business of basketball. And the business of basketball got him a pretty nice contract in Golden State as well. Um, you know, and he's, he did seem excited out, to play with the other guys too. Especially Stephen Curry. You know, he's, he's like, you know, I'm a guy that loves to pass, loves to make plays and create. It's a prime example of the system being that and having the advantage of guys that can shoot around him. So I expect him to, to thrive in, in Golden State, um, especially with some quality coaching uh, around him. 
But, you know, obviously there is this sort of business side in relation to the fact that he could get traded again. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he sort of said it is what it is. You put yourself in a position to go somewhere for a long period of time. Um, and uh, literally what you said, Nick. So we'll have to wait and see uh, how long D'Angelo's in Golden State. But we'll certainly be following him on the Brooklyn Buzz. You know, I've got his shirt. He's one of my favorite players to ever pull on the Brooklyn Nets uniform. Um, and I saw a tweet. And I'm pretty sure I brought this on the um, brought this up on the pod before that you know he looked exactly like um, Killmonger in Black Panther with that, <laughs> with that new haircut. His hair, you know, I've all, I've said plenty of good things about D'Angelo Russell and the swag that he brings. Good looking kid. Yeah, he definitely did look like Killmonger. And then also, I like the fact that the Nets thanked him, and I think Sean even said something about him being a big part of us taking the next step and getting to where we are now. At now. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's nothing bad to say uh, about that in relation to it. But, you know, your Crimson Striker also in the chat makes a good comment. So we're going to root for him, but also because we want that pick to be pretty good. Yeah. So when, when normally really, as like when it comes to like in sort of pick protections, you're normally rooting for a team to just be bad. Like we wanted Denver to be bad and they ended up finishing with like the one seed. Um, whereas with Golden State, we're rooting for them to be good because we want that first round pick sooner rather than later. Um, but maybe, you know, obviously... The 2022 draft is the the touted draft for when the high schoolers uh, can jump in. So maybe we want to wait for it then because there'll be a deeper class. But uh, either way, DeAnza Russell, wherever that pick ends up, um, goodwill all round. Yeah, and I think it says a lot too how like upset some of the fans are. Even though we signed Kyrie and KD, they still feel and like miss D'Angelo, and just goes to show you the impact he had on the franchise. Yeah, and I think the impact he had on the franchise is tenfold. And we've said it before, you know, we would not get um we would not have gotten these superstars without the success of d'angelo and what he brought to to this team you know he is going to be you know one of the most revered nets players to play only two or three seasons for a team you know when he he and the golden state warriors come back to barclays barclays is going to be rocking uh, there's going to be plenty of guys with d'angelo russell jerseys they'll be wearing them um, I'm looking forward to seeing when the, the schedule does get released because um i'm already thinking ahead and planning when i can get back over yeah, you got to. And obviously, you got to be back for the wedding for me, but we can catch some games too. Sorry, Cynthia. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to see what happens. He'll definitely get a ton of cheers. I think the fans will really welcome him back and just be excited for him to be there. Yeah, um, it's nothing but positive things when it comes to D'Angelo Russell and, and plenty of positivity when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, Nick. Yes, sir. Obviously, it's been a, t- a great couple weeks of July. Uh, nine days of July have been amazing. Best Nets offseason we've seen in probably ever. Yeah, literally ever. Like it's. And if it wasn't for the Clippers, it'd easily be the best in the NBA, but they had to go and make a splash too. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we didn't have a Clippers podcast. You know, if anyone wants <laughs> to do a Clippers podcast. And Nick, is there a, an, an email? We've got an email now? We do have an email. It is, uh, I believe, the Brooklyn Buzz at gmail.com if you want to send me any questions or you want to get some advertisements on the show. Yeah, we're all about that life, all about that life. We should also be hopefully dropping some new Nets t-shirts on our design tree slash off the glass section, some Sean Marks related things, and possibly some Katie and Kyrie stuff. We're all about that bank, homie. <laughs> all right guys that's a pleasure as always jack talking with you and thank everybody for checking in listening watching on youtube whatever it may be and you can always find us itunes blog talk radio netsrepublic.com otgbasketball.com google play and dash radio Peace. for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.